Now, Paul, before Christ, he was destroying the church. He was fighting against God. Jesus said, you're kicking against the pricks. And what that means is that it was a cattle prod. He says, I'm trying to get you to go this way and you're fighting me. And so I keep prodding you to get you back on the trail. You're fighting me, Paul. Quit fighting. So many of us, we've been fighting the Lord. We're kicking against him. He's trying to set us on the path. He's trying to set us on the course and we're fighting him. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 24 today. If you're not familiar with our ministry here at Calvary Chapel, we like to teach through the Bible verse by verse. We are teaching through the book of Galatians. We began it last week. It appears because of his defense that we're looking at today in verse 11, it'll go all the way through chapter 2, but we're going to get to chapter 2 in the next few weeks. It appears that they were attacking his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ, but they were also bringing in a different gospel as we looked at last week. They were adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, simply said, In verse 4, we have a glimpse of the gospel where Paul said, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The gospel that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the grave, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4 that he was seen by the brethren then. And then in that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, and last of all, he was seen by me. Paul defending his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he began it in verse 1, as we read last week, as he has his introduction here, where he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I'm an apostle, but it wasn't because men laid hands on me, even though later on, and we'll learn in chapter two, that Peter, James, and John gave Paul and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. There was an agreement that, as we'll see next week, Paul and Barnabas would be the apostles to the Gentiles, but the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus, the 12 
would be the apostles to the Jews. So Paul defending his apostleship. You know, the apostleship takes some of the letter, but there is more so the attack against the church that he is more concerned with because he, in this gospel, or in this epistle, tells us that we have freedom, we have liberty in Christ Jesus, and he just wants the church to know that we don't have to come under the bondage of religion. And many people think that churches are all about religion. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And we worship, yes, but we worship because Christ died and gave his life for us. And we have received the forgiveness of sin through that sacrifice on the cross. So Paul made the defense about preaching a different gospel other than salvation through Christ alone. And now he begins to defend his apostleship. In verse 14, he said, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Here's the thing. He was a Jew. He was the up-and-coming Jewish rabbi. He was taught by the best. He himself said, I was taught by Gamaliel, who was one of the leading rabbis of his day. He was the up-and-coming guy. He said, I was more zealous than my contemporaries, the guys who were kind of coming up in school with him. He was at the top of the class. He was the most learned, as we see, he was the most zealous. He attacked the church. But here's the thing. Everything he was doing in that zeal was because of the traditions of his fathers and not because of the truth of the word of God. See, the word that he had learned, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written at this time, the word that he had learned had been distorted through the traditions of the fathers. They had taken the pure gospel, the pure word of God, and they had distorted it. And so often in churches today and throughout the history of church, we've had so many who have distorted the word of God and they become zealous, just like Paul was zealous for the traditions of man, but not the traditions of God not the truth of God's gospel. This is a thing I really love in this whole chapter, verse 15. I, I just love this verse because it tells us there that when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, verse 16, to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I'm going to stop there right now. When it pleased God, this actually blows my mind a little bit because we've already learned about Paul's former conduct. He persecuted the church. He put Christians to death. And here we learn that God all along knew that one day he would be a preacher of the gospel. Now, we would think, why did you allow him to put other believers to death? Now, we're thinking from earthly terms. We're thinking that this life is all that we need and this is all that we Desire, But when we think in heavenly terms, what Paul did was allow these believers that were put to death to be ushered into the presence of God. That's not a bad thing. It's actually one of the desires that we have one day. Now, I had mentioned something yesterday just 
quickly about kind of one of those see you laters. And I said, maybe. And, and Lily was like, you're not going anywhere yet. Still want you here today. But in reality, our hope is when this flesh is destroyed, when we die, that we will be in the presence of God. And if you desire to be in the presence of God, the only access is through Jesus Christ. But here we learn in verse 15 that God allowed Paul to be a persecutor of the church. He had separated Paul, he said, from his mother's womb, and he called me through his grace, and he revealed Jesus Christ to him. Separated from his mother's womb. This is a great passage that um, counters the abortion industry today because here it tells us where in our nation today through abortion, it tells us that life really doesn't begin until that baby gets spanked by the doctor and begins to cry. Basically, that's what the world wants to tell us. But here the word of God tells us that God knew Paul in his mother's womb and separated him at that time to be an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's actually drawing on two Old Testament passages in this verse. The first one is God prophesying of Jesus in Isaiah 49.1. So you can write that down, Isaiah 49.1. The second one is God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. So he's drawing from two separate Old Testament passages to compile this verse about his own life where he says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. In Isaiah 49.1, it says, listen, old coastlands to me and take heed, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. From the womb, the Lord has called me. That is actually a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, but it is telling us today that God knows. Paul took it and understood it, that God knew him even before his mom and dad knew him. All they knew is that I'm pregnant, going to have a baby, wonder if it's going to be a boy or a girl. But God knew. And then in Jeremiah 1.5, God speaking to Jeremiah, saying to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now, God takes it back even further. And he said, before your mom and dad were pregnant and they knew that they were going to have a baby, I already knew you before you were formed in the womb. I knew you and I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet. Now, verse 15, again, it just amazes me. Because we see so many, even in our own time, we can have some pretty horrific testimonies, but we come to know Jesus and God changes everything. And from that day forward, everything is changed. And God said, I already knew I was going to do that. Way back here, when your mommy found out she was pregnant, I already knew you. Even before you were conceived, I knew you. And I knew the work that I want to do in you. And I want to tell you today that Christ knows you. He knows who you are today. You may not believe in him yet as your savior, but he knows you. But the moment that you receive him and the moment that you have received him, Christ said, no surprise to me because I knew you in your mother's womb. In fact, I knew you before 
I called you and I have ordained you to be my follower, my disciple. So verse 16, to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. This was something that uh, Paul received right at his day of salvation. He was saved and he was called on the very same day. That doesn't happen to most of us. You know, for me, I was saved, and then 20-something years later, the Lord said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Like I said, it takes me a while sometimes. But Paul was saved and ordained. He was called. That day on the road to Damascus, as we learn about in Acts chapter 9, God showed, or Jesus showed himself to Paul, and he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to preach my gospel to the Gentiles and to kings. You're going to give testimony to me here in Jerusalem and beyond. And so to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. The apostle to the Gentiles, as Barnabas was with him, Silas later on, as the other 12 were to the Jews, as we'll learn that next week in in Galatians chapter 2. But he knew what his mission was. But he said, I didn't immediately go up and confer. I didn't go talk to man, flesh and blood. I didn't go talk to man. I didn't go up to Jerusalem because that's where the mother church was, to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. We kind of have to tie several passages together to get the story, but from the time that Paul became a believer in Jesus Christ until Barnabas came to fetch him, Um, there was a period of 14 years that would go by in his life. God was working out. He told Paul, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But before you do that, you got some learning to do. I got to rework your mind because you've been trained in Judaism. And now I got to take all those traditions of your father and I got to connect myself. Jesus saying, I got to connect myself to the truths of the Old Testament that I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been hoping for. And so he said, I went into Arabia, and it appears that he was there for a period of three, they believe, for a period of three to four years, because it's missing for us in Scripture. We know where he was for 10 years, and we know that he began in Damascus, went to Arabia, came back to Damascus. So what apparently appears to happen is that Paul was going to Damascus, He had letters from the chief priests to put believers in prison and then drag them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial, possibly to have them put to death. So he's on the road to Damascus, and suddenly, according to Acts chapter 9, a bright light came and shone from heaven. The guys who were with him saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice that was going on. But Paul saw Jesus, and he heard the voice of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting against me? And Paul was blinded on that road that day. He received faith in Jesus Christ. He went into Damascus. Three days later, a man named Ananias laid hands on him. He received his sight again. And then he began to share the gospel. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Somewhere it got a little heated there in Damascus, and they, they heard this one who was formerly persecuting the church preaching the gospel, and, and the Jews wanted him dead. 
And so they helped him escape. It seems that he went to Arabia then, and the Lord kind of reworked his mind at that time. Came back to Damascus. It got so serious that one night they had to take Paul. It's never been this bad with me. But they had to sneak him out of the city, lower him down in a basket through the hole in the wall, um, a window opening or something, and he escaped from the city. At that point, he went down to Jerusalem. After three years, he tells us in verse 18, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So after three years, after his conversion, he had went to Arabia, went back to Damascus. There's some time playing out here. He went down to Jerusalem, and it tells us that meeting in the Epistle of Acts, that he went to Jerusalem, but the church was afraid of him. This is the guy that was persecuting and, and killing. Some of the people probably said that my mom's dead because of him. I'm sure there were some hard feelings there. Until Barnabas came up and said, you know what? God's been using this guy in Damascus. You should hear some of the things that the Lord is doing with him. And the church received him, but it was only there for 15 days. And once again, it tells us in the book of Acts that he began to preach again. And now the Jews wanted to kill him again because he was proving that Jesus was the Messiah, was the Christ. Again, the church took him and said, you need to go. Where are you from? Tarsus? Why don't you go hang out up there for 10 years or so? That's what happened. They put him on a boat. They shipped him off to his homeland. And he remained there until 10 years later, until Barnabas got him again. And then after this first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, 14 years later, Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, they would come to Jerusalem once again. And so Paul's life, he spent three years with Jesus. He went down to Jerusalem, back to Damascus, down to Jerusalem. They tried to kill him in both places. He would go off for 10 years and be missing for a while. And then the Lord would begin to use him once again. In verse 20, now concerning these things, I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Paul's saying, you know what? I'm telling you the truth. I'm not a liar. Verse 21, afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And these regions are simply this, the area of uh, the Providence where Damascus was and the Providence where Tarsus was. I hung out there for 13 years. And I was known only by face to the churches of Judea who were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. I love that. Because the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now, Paul before Christ, he was destroying the church. He was fighting against God. Jesus said, you're kicking against the pricks. And what that means is that it was a cattle prod. He says, I'm trying to get you to go this way and you're fighting me. And so I keep prodding you to get you back on the trail. You're fighting me, Paul. Quit fighting. 
So many of us, we've been fighting the Lord. We're kicking against him. He's trying to set us on the path. He's trying to set us on the course, and we're fighting him. The Lord said, you're fighting me. You're kicking against the pricks. But I love this. Any man who is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, God erases the past. He says of our sins, I choose to remember them no more. We'll probably remember them for the rest of our life. But God said, I choose to remember them no more. The only way that that happens is through the applied blood of Jesus Christ. And if you have never applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life through faith, then your sins will ever be before you. But right now you have the opportunity to give your heart to Jesus and to apply the blood of Christ and to become that new creation in Jesus Christ. And where God said, the old things have passed away, behold, all things are new. Perhaps the Lord wants to do that for you today. He wants to take your life and transform it and make it afresh. He said, I'll, I'll remember your past no more. I'll erase that stuff. I believe it's in Isaiah. The Lord said, I'll take out that heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh. I can give you a new beginning. And I can do that for you right now. As we worship in this last song, if anyone wants to give their life over to Jesus now, I want to challenge you in this one thing. The Bible tells us, Jesus said that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So the Lord is saying you need to take a stand, and you need to let people see it. Now, know that everyone in this church, they are, they are in your court. They're in your favor. You may be nervous, but there are believers praying right now that God will touch hearts. And the Lord is pricking your heart. I'm going to be down front, and I just want to pray with you. So while this song is going on, if you feel the Lord touching your life, and I want you to just come down and stand before me. And then after the song is over, we'd like to pray for you. If you are a believer, but your life has been drifting off course, and the Lord has pricked your heart today, and he's telling you it's time to drift back in. You've been kicking against me. I want you back on that path. And you would like prayer. I just, again, would like you to come forward that we can pray for you uh, during this time. So we're just going to give you opportunity as we worship our Lord now. And Father, I pray that you would just be with us, Lord, that your spirit would work in our midst. We thank you for the testimony of Paul. But Lord, I know that you have repeated that testimony in many of our lives. And perhaps today, Lord, you want to begin to repeat it in someone else's life, someone who has never accepted you as their Savior, today is that day that they have that opportunity. Lord, we just pray that you would work as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to uh, thank you for being with us today and uh, know that Christ may not be finished working in our hearts. Yesterday, while I was praying and closing out the message, we were looking at the story of Gideon, and, and one of the first things that God called Gideon to do was to tear down the altar of his father. And it tells us that at night he went out in the middle of the night because he was afraid, and he did what God requested of him. And while I was praying, the Lord just said to me, and I prayed it to the people, 
that the Lord would allow men, because it was all guys there yesterday, to tear down those altars within the next 24 hours. Those altars would come down. And uh, it could be that the Lord is just wanting to do a work. It may not happen at this moment, but I believe if we'll go forth from this place, and it could happen now, but continue to just say, Lord, what are you wanting to teach me? What are you wanting me to learn? Lord, is there an altar? Is there something that needs to be torn down? And uh, the Lord is wanting to do a work. Just because we walk out these doors doesn't mean that Jesus is done working. You know, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. When you get in your car, when you drive down the road, when you go to the restaurant to have lunch, when you go to your house, when you go to sleep at night, the Lord is there. He can work at any time, any time of his choosing. But I can tell you this, that if you'll take some time and wait upon him, the Bible tells us to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. That if you take the time to humble yourself before the Lord, he's going to speak to you. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.